Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week. Another week. Woo! I think that's just how we're counting. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like it should have sounded more excited, but we're still at home. We're still in this. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. And I think one of the nice things about the podcast and the different types of guests, obviously, we've had a lot of different guests on. And Amanda and I used to network at least at least once a week. So that would either be having lunch with different people, connecting with different organizations, you know, like in person. Obviously, now it's a lot of Zooms and phone calls, which is fine. But I think that's why we've had so many wonderful guests on because we're just supplementing the the physical uh, in-person meetings that we've not had the past year. And one of our guests today, or our guest today, Lee Lombardo is that such person. I was able to connect with her over the phone a couple of weeks. She is with YMCA of Orange County, and I'm going to have her explain a little bit more, but it was just that instant connection. I was like, you have to be on our podcast. So Lee, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I'm very excited. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background and how you made it to the YMCA of Orange County? Okay, so I am a licensed clinical social worker, and that is a big deal to become a licensed clinical social worker, and I've been one since 1996. I have always wanted to serve vulnerable populations in the community, and I've really been in the field of social services and mental health since the mid-80s. I moved to California and I got licensed and I have really worked mostly with families and children and teens as a mental health therapist and as a program developer and a program director running programs for children and families. And about a year ago, I had an opportunity to come to the YMCA to develop their community service programs. A lot of people see the Y as fitness facilities and childcare, and there's so much more that they do for the community with different programs. Um, They do youth and government for teens. They have dad and daughter camping. They have camps for kids. And many of our programs are supplemented with scholarships. So because not everybody can afford to pay. And um, the Y wants to be able to reach everyone in the community so that they have positive experiences. The programs that I oversee right now are two that focus on people with developmental disabilities. We have one for adults 
and one for children ages three to 17, which is the one we're going to talk about today. So I'm not sure if you have other questions you want to ask me about that. So I won't go right into that. (laughs) I mean, it's our bread and butter. and, And I think that's why I was so excited. I've been in Orange County my entire life. And just to be able to learn about all of these different programs, it's a bit overwhelming at times, but I'm always happy to hear directly from the people, you know, the premise, right? What is the mission? What is it that we are creating with this program? Because I feel like those programs, when they have that foundation, that building of the community, they last so much longer, right? And I think that with YMCA and just their long history, it just seemed like like a natural area that they would be going into, right? Oh, they, they started as a place for vulnerable, I think vulnerable men mm. who needed mm. a place to stay. Right. Yeah. So it's in their roots. Yeah. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the new program that you were just kind of um, talking about? Okay. So it's actually, it's been around since around 2005, 2007, so way before my time. And it's a program for children ages 3 to 17 who are living with developmental disabilities and intellectual disabilities, Mm -hmm. and their parents work, and they need a place to be after school. And that's not the only reason why we have it. That is a benefit for families to know that their children are in a safe environment. So we provide one-to-one aids for children with special needs in after-school programs throughout Orange County. They can be YMCA after-school programs, but there's a lot of other private facilities or centers, child care centers out there in the community. And so whatever child care or after-school care program that will accept us, we will work with. So helpful because we get so many kiddos that the families are so hesitant to put their kids in any kind of after-school program. And we end up having parents, one parent end up quitting their job, staying at home because there are some centers that say, well, if you don't have an aid, we can't service you. Or maybe they say that the child can come, but they're not going to be really provided with the same support than they would if they had an aid. So it, it's great that you not only service the YMCA yourself, but you also provide aids out elsewhere because I know that's the hurdle that so many of these families face. Right. And when I say other child care programs, it also includes school districts if they're willing to work with us as well. And we do have a number of kids placed in school districts, boys and girls club throughout the county. And yeah, parents are, you know, they want to know that their kid's in a safe place. Most of our kids are funded through regional center because they're regional center clients, mm-hmm. but they don't have to be. And if available, we can provide scholarships for some of our families to make it a little bit more affordable. So what the main thing that we want for the kids in our program is to be included with their regular peers, other kids who in the site who don't, who are not living with developmental disabilities. And a lot of the kids have felt that have the disabilities, have felt like outcasts. They don't have high confidence. Their skills, such as social skills, 
play skills, fine motor skills, gross motor skills, verbal communication may be limited. So each kid that comes into our program will get an assessment and then we will develop individual goals for that child. And we, our goal is to improve their baseline when we meet them over time. And they'll be, you know, it might be baby steps, but that's okay. And the aid works with them on the goals and the aid works with the site staff and other children to include their specific inclusion child with all the activities in the program. So it could go in, you know, after school, they might meet them at a bus or meet them at their classroom door, walk them over to the site, then it might be snack time. So they'll be with them during snack time. They'll help them through a transition to the next activity. And I keep going. So specific (laughs) questions. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, yeah, no, thank you. No, it's phenomenal. I think we could just sit back and listen to just how well thought out and meaningful this type of service is for not just that particular child and that particular family, but for the community as a whole. I think that oftentimes families with children with unique needs feel like they are isolated or things are just 10 times harder for them. And being able to have an aide who is well-trained, who is able to collect data, it's all about the fidelity of the data, right? You know, and we want to see progress. It's not meant to be like another IEP and, you know, it's so laborious and, you know, we're really trying. I think the purpose behind it is to show that with somebody that is properly, properly trained, and gets a really great relationship going with the child, that this child can do anything, right? That they are able to put their minds to and that somebody is able to help them to do. And I think just what a wonderful opportunity for them to be included, just period, right? And for normalizing that to other children. I just, I think it's wonderful. I'm like so excited to have you on to talk about it because it's just, it's incredible the work that you guys are doing. And I had no idea, right? And we've been doing this 10 years, right, Amanda? And it was just like, wait, what? You do what? (laughs) When you said it's good for, I think you said something about it's good for the other kids in the program. It just made me think it is true because we have seen the children who are not in the inclusion program really become more tolerant of differences. Mm -hmm. And to me, when you do that, the earlier, the better. Mm-hmm. It makes for a more inclusive and kind, not just environment, but community and world. I mean, I could spread it that far because tolerance is so important and understanding every kid is different. And I do a lot of trainings and we start with the principle that, you know, all kids are different mm-hmm. and we serve kids who might be on, you know, one end of the quote unquote normal continuum. Yeah. So they might, their needs might be a little more extreme, but yet those can be dealt with and they can be overcome. 
And so, you know, based on the abilities of each child at their developmental age. And so we want to know if a child has a specific diagnosis because that helps us as the professionals understand the possibilities, but we never use that to define a child. They're children first, and then they may have some intellectual or behavioral challenges, and then we're going to address those. And then when you talked about training, if I could go into that for a minute, Absolutely. we have master's level program director and a master's level case supervisor who are ABA specialists. And that's the research part and the part that helps us measure progress because all our aides have to take data at some point mm-hmm. during each day mm-hmm. to focus on the goals. And so our inclusion office staff and supervisory staff train our aides on that. They train them before they ever go out and get matched with a child in the office. And then they have to have 10 hours of shadowing with a senior inclusion aide so that they really have hands-on experience. And then they, our supervisor in the program, at a minimum, sees every child and aid at least twice a month to observe, make recommendations, talk with the, the aid, talk with the site staff about that child's progress and what they might need more help with. We do progress reports at Mm -hmm. least every six months, Mm -hmm. but some kids, it changes at much shorter periods of time. So we want to stay on top of the child's progress and provide new goals when they're ready. We don't want to have to just wait six months. That's not the right thing to do. It's when they're ready. How long is an aide typically with a child? During the school year, and, you know, COVID's been oh, yeah. kind of changed the school mm-hmm. year, but typically um, afternoons, so after school, mm-hmm. two or three o'clock to five or six o'clock. So we could okay. say three to four hours, yeah, maybe five hours, and on minimum days, maybe longer. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of children in the program that also come in before school starts. So they get an hour every morning. Oh, Okay. We also require that our aides come to our monthly staff meetings, Mm -hmm. which currently are virtual, so that they get continuous training Mm -hmm. and learn from the supervisor staff. We talk about each member and how they're doing, anything they learn. The aides learn from each other. Some have been in the program you know, eight years, mm-hmm. others a year or two. And right now we're hiring new aides. So they all have something to give to the program and to each other. So that's some of the training that we give too. Do you guys also collaborate with um, the school, like IEP team to help, you know, should demonstrate like the goals that you guys are working on? We collaborate as needed. We're usually not invited to an IEP But when we do an initial assessment, we want to talk to the school with the parents' permission because, you know, they're probably in a special ed 
class or, mm-hmm. you know, may have an aide in a regular classroom. So we want to know how they're functioning in school. We also want to know what are they doing that works and what are they struggling with to assist the child. So we're all working in coordination. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, just like any child, a child in inclusion will go through a phase where they're going along fine and then all of a sudden they're regressing and we don't know why. Right. So we're going to talk to the school and say, are you seeing this? We're going to talk to the parents and say, is there anything going on at home or that's new or we've had kids in you know, who are on medication and then they go through puberty and, oh, maybe they need to Mm -hmm. see their physician. Right. So we try and coordinate wherever we can with everyone on the team who works with this child. So school, parents, physician, we don't necessarily talk to a physician, but we encourage the family to. If they need other services, We um, can do some case management for them. For example, some kids might have an ABA therapist Mm -hmm. come in one or two hours a week in the after school program because they can do that on site and that's fine. And so we'll want to coordinate with them as well because they see data and they may also be in the home. And so as much as we can have that communication, I think it works best for the child. Well, you never know who's doing implementing something that's working and maybe the family doesn't even realize that I see that a lot. Or maybe they're implementing it, but they don't consider we shouldn't be implementing the strategy of cross-setting school, home, with all therapists, after school, all of that. So it's helpful to have that information. I know some, some families we work with, they... Oh, well, you know, we don't seem to see this type of behavior or problem at home. And oftentimes it's because, not because the behavior doesn't exist, but because some type of strategy is working. So it's helpful to have everyone know what's working, what's not. Right. And there are times where a supervisor will bring to me that, you know, there's some difficulties emerging in the after-school site. And I'm like, well, have you talked to mom or dad? Let's Mm -hmm. see what they're doing. Are they seeing it? What are they using to make it work? And the same for us, where they'll come to us and say they're really struggling at home and we have some ideas that might be helpful for them. So I totally agree with you, Amanda. That makes complete sense to me. And And it's kind of how I've operated throughout my career. Well, yeah. And I mean, even just, yeah, with your background, it just seems like a natural fit. And to be able to have that mentality of, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. I think that oftentimes, you know, Amanda and I are 317E panel attorneys, and that just means for LA County, um, the courts can refer children either from the juvenile delinquent system or from the foster care system to us for special education services. And oftentimes there's like 20 different people associated with this child and I'm the first person to talk to everyone, right? And sometimes you can just find so much more information, but because of the way the system is set up, nobody really talks to anybody else, right? And it's unfortunate. And so for this program to be able to 
be that case manager to try to connect the dots or, you know, even just try to get the most information to help the child succeed in an extracurricular activity is quite an accomplishment. So if a parent would like more information, Lee, where can they go to, you know, get more information to sign up? Where can they go to do that? They can go to the YMCA of Orange County website and go to the community services tab. That's one way. They can also call me directly at 714-508-7643. And then do you want my email? Oh, yeah. And then I'm I'm happy to take emails from parents. Yeah. And then we can put it in the show notes as well. Okay. It's Lombardo at ymcaoc.org. And the website is a really good start. Yeah. And it also has all kinds of other parenting tips and resources on it as well for families. And I know there's another great resource coming up with March being Disabilities Awareness Month. There's going to be a panel at the end of March, right? Yes, on (laughs) March 18th. And you're a panelist, Vicki. Yes, I am. (laughs) We are also going to have Rebecca Hernandez Mm -hmm. from Help Me Grow. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Help Me Grow does is they do developmental screenings. Yes. So if people don't know what that is, it's so important between being a newborn and 60 months, parents can either ask their physician for developmental screening, or they can go online to the Help Me Grow website and get a free developmental screening in English or Spanish. And this measures in a very generic way Mm -hmm. if a child is on track for five different areas of development. Mm -hmm. Things like fine motor skills, gross motor Mm -hmm. skills, communication, social interaction. And those are very helpful to know because if there's a concern, there are different things that can be done. I mean, a kid may be on track and that's great, or they might be sort of teetering. Mm -hmm. And there are activities that parents can do to Mm -hmm. promote growth Mm -hmm. in those areas. And then if there's concerns, there will be recommendations for further resources to find out, is there a need for regional center Mm -hmm. or other testing? And the earlier we know that a child needs help, whether it's with intellectual and developmental disabilities, or attachment or whatever, Mm -hmm. the better Mm -hmm. trajectory that child's going to have in life. I know I've gotten that developmental screening. We talk about Help Me Grow on this podcast all the time. We actually had Yvette on quite a while ago. I want to say like a year ago because it was like in office or more than a year ago because we haven't been in office in a year. (laughs) Yeah, it has been more than a year ago. Um, I'm also on their developmental screening task force. I've been involved with that for several years. Oh, and they have a developmental screening registry, Mm -hmm. which is great because it allows all the providers to communicate about a child's developmental screening with parent permission. 
Yeah. But I wanted to go back to the panel, too, oh, because yeah. the one other guest we're having is Samantha Rios, who is the supervisor in the inclusion program. Mm -hmm. And she has a master's in ABA, and she is the one who does the assessments and goes out and meets with the children and the sites and the aid. And she is really an expert in inclusion. So I'm glad to have all of you on that panel. And I'm going to moderate. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I think parents what will... do you do and how you help kids. Yeah, and I think it's just a great resource for parents. I know that with my little one, sometimes being able to just listen in on a panel, right? And just kind of get that in my headphones while, you know, I'm watching her play with her blocks or whatever is always a nice way to kill two birds with one stone, right? So hopefully a lot of parents will get a lot of great information on that. And we've been promoting it. So you guys will actually include um, the information in the show notes as well, so that you guys can take a listen to that. Yeah. This will drop pretty soon. So I want to say it'll drop next week, which is the week of the event. So hopefully you guys can attend the event and listen to us talk about all the wonderful resources out there for parents to help them, especially during this time as well. I appreciate that. I'm glad that, you know, we're able to talk about that. And yes, it is Disabilities Awareness Month. So yeah. we're really focusing on that for the community. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lee, for coming onto our podcast and telling yeah. everybody about your program that is not new. It's new to us, but it is not new. And I think that you guys have had a great foundation. I hope that more people will reach out to utilize this wonderful, wonderful service. Thanks so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you next week. See you next week. Bye. Or talk to you next week. <laughs> yeah, see you next week, right? Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.